Wonderful. That was great. I enjoyed that tremendously. Wish I could sing like that. They haven't invited me to sing, so I'm offended. But anyway, yeah, amen. Good. That was good music all morning long. I just really enjoyed all of it. Um, good to be back. I was gone uh, last 10 days. I was over in the Chicago area. There was a preacher's meeting, and uh, my wife, her uh, uh, mother lives there still, and, and I need to pray for her. She's elderly and kind of frail, and so she was able to help with her uh, these last uh, uh, few days, and so that was good. And I got a chance to preach at my home church. That was a real blessing where I came from. I was uh, born and raised in Chicago, and and I've uh, been away for so long, you know, don't really uh, know the area anymore. But it was good to, good to be there. And the, the uh, preacher's meeting was very good. It was very encouraging. And, and uh, anyways, but it's glad to be, I'm glad to be back here in the saddle. And it's good to be back here home. I heard that uh, uh, Jessica, Jessica Kim had her baby, right? Amen. And we'll, we'll hear a report on that, I'm, I guess. And uh, uh, how, how large? Was it how heavy? I don't know. What do you say? With how many ounces? Six pounds, two ounces. Wow, that's a keeper. Okay, good. You don't throw that one back. Amen. Well, good. Well, praise the Lord. It's it's good to, good to hear that. And everybody okay? I, I assume good. All right. Well, praise the Lord for that. And uh, and then um, uh, Jennifer had a, uh, the health issues and problems. Boy, I tell you, it was way. But you know, I heard that. So many just jumped right in there in prayer and, and uh, helping. What a blessing. Thank you, folks, for being such a great church family and, uh, and for being what, what they needed. So, amen. I appreciate that. And it's good to see God's good hand of protection and blessing be upon the folks here. That, that is a blessing. Um, we'll have the announcements later, but what's not in your, re- in your bulletin, but I believe it might be in the announcements, the video announcements, is about the ladies' retreat, and that's this coming week. Don't forget about that. Um, and then also the mother and son uh, banquet is going to be uh, not this coming weekend, but the following. So make sure that you sign up. See Brother Rick for that. There's a, uh, a sign-up sheet. I'm not exactly sure where that's at, if it's going around or if it's in the back. But make sure that you get that, uh, moms, and, and sign up you and your, your sons or, or uh, sons-in-laws for that. So that would be great. Numbers chapter number 32. Numbers chapter 32. This month, being that it's the outreach month, soul winners, uh, soul winners uh, what do we call it in our calendar? Uh, what is it? Month of witnessing. And be, we're, we're looking at the, uh, being an outreach and being a witness. And so here's a great passage of scripture that deals with where we are today. It's an Old Testament passage, deals with the children of Israel going into the promised land, but it applies to us perfectly. So we're talking about fighting for their inheritance, not ours, but others, fighting for their inheritance. Numbers chapter 32, um, we're going to read uh, through verse number 23. So uh, listen as I read the word of God as we consider what God has to say about them in that situation and then apply it towards where we are today. Numbers chapter 32 from verse number 1. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle, and when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that, behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben, and we learn later, half the tribe of Manasseh, all three of these actually, two and a half tribes, they came and they spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, 
Adaroth and <coughs> Diabon and Jazer and Nimrah and Heshbon and Eliel and Shebam and Nebo and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle. And what do you know? Thy servants have cattle. Okay, you've got to understand, this is, this is the situation. They're, going, they're moving into the promised land. Before they cross into Jordan, all of the promises of God telling uh, the children of Israel, he promised them a land. He says, there's going to be a land that you'll go into, a land flowing with milk and honey, and it's great. It'll be a, a wonderful place to, to, uh, uh, to settle, and it's for you. He's, God has given this uh, land, the inheritance, to the, to the uh, Israelites, which would probably solve so many uh, Middle Eastern problems right now. We just paid attention to what God said here. But nonetheless, so they're moving into the land after uh, 40 years of, of uh, wandering in the wilderness. You remember 40 years before, uh, they came to, the, to this place and then they sent spies into the land and the spies came out. Uh, ten were bad and two were good. You know, we sing that, you know, ten were bad and two were good. You know, that kind of thing. We won't do that today. But um, And uh, uh, they said, boy, it's a great land, land flowing with milk, milk and honey. And they brought uh, grapes between, uh, uh, carried on the shoulders of two men. I mean, uh, it was just the fruit and everything was, it was bountiful. It was wonderful land. But they said, there's problems. There's giants that live in the land. We can't do it. We can't take them. We can't overcome them. And God intended them to go in by faith, and God would do the fighting, and God would do the, 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 the prosperity and the, and the blessing. God would take care of them, but they said, no, we can't do it, and they, they failed in faith, and they uh, rebelled against Moses, against God, and they wanted to kind of go back to Egypt, and so God said, okay, uh, you won't go in, but your children will go in. You're all going to die in the wilderness, and for 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness. That entire generation was gone outside of uh, Caleb and Joshua uh, and the Levites. And so uh, uh, here they are. After 40 years, that entire generation has passed. They're about to go into the promised land, and, but there was some fighting that they would have to do. There was some dispossessing of the, of the folks that were there that they would have to do. And uh, so they're about to do that, but two and a half tribes, they look around, and the place, before they crossed Jordan, they look around and they say, this is perfect. We're, we're ranchers. We have uh, cattle and sheep, and we need grazing land. This is a land of grazing. There could be nothing better for us. And how about we just take the, 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 the uh, opportunity to stay right here. We'll take this land, Moses, and we won't have to go in with everybody else into the promised land. And so that's what they're proposing. They were saying uh, in verse number four again, the country with the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. He says, here it is. We, we, we've got our possession. We, we, can, we can stay right here. Wherefore, verse five, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession, and bring us not over Jordan. Kind of a selfish thing that they were saying. You know, there's a, a land to be fought for and, and to one and have everybody have their possession. But these two and a half tribes, they said, right here, we got it. We don't have, we could just take this, let everybody else go fight for their own land and whatever. And we won't have to, we won't have to go with everybody else. Just give us a, this area. Verse six, and Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war? And shall ye sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? 
Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up into the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. Okay, getting back to where they were that day. He just went over some history. Now, verse 14, he says, Behold, today ye are risen up in your father's stead an increase of sinful men to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord towards Israel. Hey, we're going to go through this again. You're going to discourage everybody from, from getting their land. You're not going to obey. You're not going to go into the land. I've got a job for you. God has a job for all of them to do. And, and they, were, they were content to just sit and say, hey, y'all go on. Into, we're, we're good. We're good. We've got what we need. Verse 15, for if ye turn away from after him, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness, and ye shall destroy all this people. By their actions, they were responsible for the prosperity of everybody else. And they came near unto him. They said, oh, we see your point here. They came near unto him and said, okay, we will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place. And our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on yonder side Jordan or forward because our inheritance is. It's already. It's here. It's, it's, we, we've got it. It is fallen to us on this side, Jordan, eastward. And Moses said unto them, If you will do this thing, if you go armed before the Lord to war, and, and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord, until he had driven out his enemies from before him, and the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterwards ye shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. He says, okay, it's a deal. That sounds good. You need to get out there, fight with everybody else. When you're all done, when everybody has their inheritance, then you go back here and you come back to your, your place that's the fenced cities, the secured areas. But, verse 23, But if you will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that you'd help us to understand what had taken place back then and how it applies to us here today to the saved who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, I pray that you just bless, open up to us your scripture, help us understand the story here, but then also help us to understand where it applies to us and the principles uh, here that uh, are repeated today. We ask, Lord, that you just bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go into the meat of this passage, I want to emphasize to every person here this morning that truth that we just read. Be sure your sin will find you out. 
That truth, we could go ahead and take that out and just, and it applies anywhere and everywhere. Be sure your sin will find you out. You'll never be able to get away from the crimes that you've committed. Because the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. No matter how far you run, no matter what you want to do to try to cover things up, no matter how far you want to get away from a past or, or some transgression or some things that you've done wrong, be sure your sin will find you out. You'll never be able to do enough good to erase the bad. Now listen, friend, as a principle of Scripture, and so many people don't understand this when they, they, they try to gamble before an all-holy God to say, well, I'm just going to do the very best I can, and that's it. Be sure... Your sin will find you out. You'll never be able to do enough good to erase the bad that you've done. Never able to put enough miles between you and your sin. Never be able to cleanse yourself, to purge yourself, to overbalance yourself with good or good deeds to where you'll not have to face the penalty for your sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. The Nazi war criminal can't run from his past and start a new life and family and add to the betterment of mankind in the latter part of his life, but that he'll never that he'll escape the judgment of the law. It, it, it won't happen. He can't escape the judgment of the law, the justice of the law, the, the, the justice of the cosmos, or the justice of the Almighty God. Why? Because the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. The big question is, what do you do with your sin? Friend, what do you do with your sin? What do you do with the things that, where you have been a transgressor? Where you have been a thief or a murderer or a... Well, you say, preacher, I've, I've never murdered anybody. Well, maybe not taken a gun and, and pulled the trigger. But if you could have and gotten away with it, you would have. That's, that's hatred in your heart. That's, that's malice in your heart that Jesus said before God. It's just like murder. Well, I'm uh, preacher, I'm not a, an adulterer and, and uh, the, well, yeah, but Jesus said if you look on a woman to lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery already with her in your heart. What do you do with the sin? What do you do with the, with the, the transgressions of God's holy law? You've broken God. What do you do with that sin? You can't get away from it. You, you can't run away from it far enough, fast enough to where you'll not face it again. Be sure your sin will find you out. So the question is, what do you do with your sin? You can't right the wrongs or cover it up or run from it or deny it or, or just try to forget about it. Go to a movie. That's what a, a friend of mine who uh, in the city of Chicago just got back from there and in, in, at Pacific Garden Mission. Sometimes you'll, you'll hear on the radio, uh, what is that? Unshackled. unshackled. Thank you, unshackled. For years and years and years, right down in, on Rush Street in Chicago, where they would uh, have a place for the bums and for the, the, the transients to come and to get a meal and whatever, they preached to them. And, and uh, right there down in, in the city of Chicago on Rush Street, when you're, when you're heading toward, uh, into the city, there's Pacific Garden Mission. And they used to, now it's different, they've got different buildings there, but they used to have, oh, I don't know, 40 or 50-story building that nothing was next to it. And so they had this giant area for a billboard. <laughs> and they, they took advantage of the bricks. And they, they plastered on it a giant Bible verse. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
There is none righteous. No, not one. Here, here are the Bible verses that are on this building. And a friend of mine who had come to the, our home church, and, and she began to hear the, 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 the gospel and hear what the Bible said. And uh, she was very troubled about that. Troubled about hearing about her sin, about her guilt, about the condemnation that she would face because she is a transgressor. All have sinned and come short. Well, that means me too, I guess. And she was troubled about her sin and didn't know what to do. But every day going to work, she'd stand in traffic and it seemed to be stopped right there with this giant sign would remind her it's God's words to her, to her heart, to her life, to her situation. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. She, she was bothered about this and bothered about it until she finally she went to her priest and said, what, do I need, what can I do about this, about my sin? I'm, just, I, I'm thinking about this and my sin that, that is ever before me. And he said, well, go watch a movie. Just forget about it. Folks, you can't do that. You cannot get away from your sin. The Bible, the truth of the word of God is, be sure your sin will find you out. Someday, listen, friend, you're going to stand before a holy God in that, uh, in that celestial courtroom, and your life will be reviewed. Everything that you've ever done, everything that you've ever said, every place you've ever been, every thought that's ever been thought from your mind, from your heart, every word you've ever said, be judged for that. Be sure your sin will find you out. You can't get away from it. You're going to have to deal with your sin. What do you do with your sin? There's only one place in existence that you can win here. You can take the pardon extended from a loving Heavenly Father. We just sang about the blood and how the blood... It's, they, they mention how that the blood still has power today. And uh, there's, uh, uh, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood of Jesus Christ we're talking about. That's God's solution to sin. Jesus, the innocent one, died for the guilty. He's the one that took our punishment, took our condemnation. He was not a sinner. He did not do anything wrong. But he was the criminal that, that uh, paid the penalty for our sin. It's the pardon extended from the, the Lord. The Creator has executed His plan of salvation for you that an unworthy reprobate can be pardoned. For me, that, that someone who doesn't deserve anything can be forgiven, can be cleansed, can be adopted into the family wearing the robe of Christ's righteousness. Folks, there's a place to go to with your sin. But listen, unless you get the, the solution that God offers to us, be sure your sin will find you out. The believer is saved from his sin. Thank the Lord. I am justified in Jesus Christ. I'm one that, that I'm a happy camper, folks, because yes, I'm a sinner, but I'm not going to face that because Jesus faced the penalty of my sin himself so that I can be free, so that I can be forgiven, so that I can be pardoned, so that I can be accepted into the family of God. I can take on his robes of righteousness upon myself. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> the believer is saved from his sin. Now, when we sin as believers, we look back to that precious blood that cleanses us from sin to re restore a broken fellowship. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad, folks? Aren't you glad that as a believer, we, we have a relationship with the Lord and sin doesn't mean what it used to because sin was, was 
it, it made a stain upon our soul that you just can't get away from. You just can't cover up. You just can't hide. You just can't run from it because be sure your sin will find you out. There's good news, friend. There's, you say, preacher, this is, this is not encouraging because I'm a sinner. I'm one of those that have fallen short of the glory of God. I'm one of those, as the Bible says, all have sinned. I'm one of those that the Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. I'm part of that. That's not very encouraging when you say your sin will find you out. That's not very encouraging when when you say the wages for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. (laughs) <laughs> Thank the Lord. The gift of God. I, I am so grateful I'm saved. I'm, I'm so happy to be saved. Know the Lord. Nothing I've de- earned or deserved myself. It's all upon Jesus. And I took him at his word and I received that salvation. That's what you need to do. Friend, that's what you need to do. Because your sin will find you out. But <clears throat> this message is actually for saved people. For believers. For saints. So can I switch gears? So if you're lost, put those thoughts on hold. We'll get to that in a little bit of what you can do about that and how that you can be saved here today. But for the believer, that's what this story is all about. For the one that has received eternal life. For me, for you that are saved, pay attention. Listen up. This is what this story, how it applies. Now, look at this story again in Numbers chapter 32. If you have your Bibles open, they already came to their possession. In verse number 5, it says, Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us that over Jordan. And, you know, he says, hey, we've already got this. This is, this is it. Look at verse 16. And they came near unto him and said, we, we will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place. And our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities. They're safe. They'll be here. They'll be secure. All of our possessions, all of our family, everything. We have that now. We have that already. Uh, verse number 19, for we will not inherit with them on yonder side or forward because our inheritance is fallen unto us. We've got it. We've got our inheritance. So they already had their possession. They were secure, secure and they were safe. Walled cities, fenced cities, verse number 17. Hey, they had everything that they needed. And you know what? All of their possessions were safe. It's safekeeping. When they can go in, in, in the, the land of, of danger and, and uh, uh, things that were not known, hey, all of their things, were. they didn't have to worry about that because they had the possession. Everything was, was, was safe. And they had a real a selfish request. And they started out in verse number five saying, hey, we've got everything we need. Why do we need to go over into the land? I've got everything I need. Why do I have to worry about anybody else? <clears throat> you know what? This is the, this is the, the, the cry of a, of a selfish believer. Hey, I'm saved. Are you saved? Did you ever receive Christ as your Savior? Yeah, I've been born again. I'm saved. I, I, I'm, I'm now headed for heaven because uh, my sins are forgiven. I've, I've received that pardon. It's a transaction already taken place, and I'm saved. I have that. Well, uh, Hey, did you know that soul winning, we go out and visit on Saturday mornings or throughout this month, whatever day of the month that you, you uh, signify on the calendar, this is the, the night I'm going to be out. I think I've chosen Thursdays. I don't remember. I've got to look at the calendar because you can do it just about every day anyway. But uh, hey, uh, what about that? What about helping others? <laughs> Who cares? I got my possession. 
That's what they were saying. And verse number five, hey, Moses, we have everything we need. We don't have to go over and, and fight with everybody else. We're done. We're good. <coughs> Let's stop right here. <coughs> and look at the command. So you have your possession that you'll get back to, okay, but you need to battle with the others who don't have their possession yet. Verse number 21, look at what he said. If you will go armed, all of, uh, all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until they have driven out his enemies from before him and the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterwards ye shall return. Yeah, you can, you can go ahead and enjoy what you have, but... You've got to get, get out there, and, and you've got to fight with them. You need to battle for others who don't have their land yet. It's good that you have your land. But what about these others? They, they did not, uh, their possessions did not fall into them yet. So the application, of course, if you can see where this is going, we have heaven, believers. We have it secured. Aren't you glad that you're saved? Aren't you glad that, that you've, you've taken the word of God, the promises of Christ, and applied them? You just believe him for, for his word, for what he says. And you can hang your life, you can hang your eternity upon what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse number 24. Verily, verily. When he says verily, he says truly. This is important. And he says it twice, meaning this is really important. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him, that he's talking about himself, believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. You believe God, you believe the the plan that he sent Jesus into the world, you hear uh, Christ's word, and you believe what God said about that. He that heareth my word, believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. Has, that is. We don't use the word hath, that's Old English. Has. That means you already, you've, you've taken possession. Not something that you're going to, you will have. No, no, you have already. You, that person has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is, already is passed from death unto life. That's where I am, folks. I've passed from death unto life. I've passed from blind to seeing. I've passed from lost to saved. And that person who hears the promise of God and puts their faith and trust in what, what God said into Jesus Christ they have everlasting life, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The believer's inheritance is secure. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 4. I love this, this passage. He says, believers, we're, we're going to an inheritance incorruptible. He's talking about what we're looking forward to in heaven. Things down here, they corrupt. Remember, Jesus said they, they corrupt and, and get old and... and uh, you know, decay, not in heaven. We're going to a place. I, I love that song where uh, we'll never grow old, especially dealing with my mother-in-law this week. And, uh, you know, it's just so, it's so hard, so hard to see a loved one go through in pain all the time. Just everything hurts. Everything's falling apart. Everything's, folks, it's a bummer getting old. Don't get old. <laughs> it is. It's just a bummer. It's a bummer. But I love that song. Never grow old. Never grow old. In a land where we'll never grow old. 
I'm looking forward to that. Where we'll never grow old. Aren't you? I mean, it's, 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 it's frustrating. Every day you get up, something else doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, it's, it's awful. Hey, but we're going to a place where it's incorruptible. There's no corruption. There's no death. There's no decay. And that's what Peter says. He says we're, we're going to this place in 1 Peter 4 to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. See, somebody says, yeah, that's good, but you don't know if you're going to fall away. I'm not kept by my own power. I'm kept by the power, of, by his power, not mine. If it was up to me to keep it, I would have lost it a long time ago. But it's not up to me, thank the Lord. It's up to him. By the, we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. My salvation is secured by God. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> Tonight we'll be going... Uh, we're going through First uh, Timothy in, in the series there, talking about uh, latter-day uh, 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 problems that we're facing. And, and we've come to a place where we're just going to begin to deal with uh, the, the, the doctrine of Calvinism. And it's a, it's a damning doctrine. It's not of the Bible, and it's contrary to the Scripture and toward scriptural principles, but it's devastating, devastating in churches and in believers. We're going to be dealing with that. And John Calvin, I didn't know this, but John Calvin, on his deathbed, he actually put in writing in his words how that he did not know for sure that he was a believer and that was going to persevere unto the end. He had to make sure. That's almost like a work salvation. But he didn't know. He didn't have that assurance. Folks, I have the assurance of salvation. Aren't you glad that we know that we're saved? We've trusted in Christ. We have eternal life. Is passed from death unto life. We have an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Aren't you glad that that's what the Bible says? Matthew 6, 19, Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where the moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Hey, every once when I was a kid, when I was, what, 11 years old, I had a mini bike that was stolen. Stolen. My life was in that mini bike. And it was, stole, woke up one morning and went out and it was gone. It was stolen. It was wrapped around. It was it was uh, chained up, and we live in a place where you lose stuff. You know what? In heaven, you're not going to lose anything. Amen. Isn't that cool? I wonder if there's going to be locks on mansion doors. I don't think so, you know, because we won't need it then, you know. But that's what he says. Here, thieves break through and steal. Verse 20, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. You never lose it. Never lose it. I'm never losing my salvation as long as, because it's, it's upon the life of the high priest. And as long as he lives, I live. Amen. Thank the Lord. But anyway, <clears throat> here's a slothful believer's selfish neglect who says, well, I've got my possession and it's secure. Who cares about anybody else? They don't have what I have, but I've got mine. Shame on you. Is that your attitude? Hey, believer, is that, is that the way you live? Is that the way you live because there's others who are in darkness, others who don't have what you have, don't have salvation, and, you, and your, your response to that is, who cares? 
I'm saved. What? And that's what Moses is dealing with here. And by the way, that's where the, the, the verse applies. Be sure. You, that's, that's sinful. That's wicked to think that way. The four lepers, you remember, they dealt with the same neglect in the Old Testament when uh, the city was, was besieged and everybody was starving and dying in the city and there were, they were uh, surrounded by the enemy camp and the, the four lepers, they said, listen, if we go into the city, there's death there, we're going to die. <clears throat> we go out to the, to the enemies, uh, they'd probably kill us, but we're going to die anyway. If we stay here, we're lepers, we're starving, we're going to die. No, death is everywhere, so let's just go fall upon the, the, the enemy and maybe they'll have mercy. I don't know, maybe we can get a meal before we die or something. And so they go out to, and God had done a wonderful thing, a miraculous thing. He took away all of the enemies. They just left their tents, everything, and, and they were fled, they were gone. And there were tents that were filled with goods and, and treasures and food. They were starving. <coughs> People inside the, the city walls were already uh, uh, going towards cannibalism of loved ones. And they had food, and it was just amazing. They went into one tent, and they ate, and they ate, and they ate, and it was just wonderful. And they went into another tent, and there was food, and they just ate till they couldn't eat anymore. They went into another tent, and it had all kinds of food. And they were, you know, how much can you eat? That's the sad part about life here on earth. you got to stop eating. In heaven, you won't have to stop eating. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Buffets will last for a thousand years. <laughs> Anyway, so here they, they go. They were eating this and eating that until finally they stopped and they said, wait, wait, wait. We do not well if we just sit here. This is a day of glad tidings and we hold our peace. There's people in the city that are starving. You kidding me? We're morally responsible here. We have more food than we could ever eat. There's people that are starving, friends and loved ones in the city. They have nothing, and, and we do not well. Hey, folks, listen, you don't do well when you have all the blessings of God, and you don't care about those who have nothing. And that's what he's saying here. <clears throat> that's what Moses is saying to, to these people. Wait a minute. You're not going to just get all your possession and, and just sit down. You sit here. Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? See, our command is clear. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what Jesus said. That's the ultimate. That's what we call the Great Commission. That's what his, he's so in, in, involved and he's so concerned about reaching the world. That's what he did. He came to save those that are lost, but then some don't even know it. And it's, and it's our fault because he's given the gospel to us to spread. <clears throat> so <clears throat> looking, at, <clears throat> looking at the story here about... Uh, the Reuben and Gad, where they got their possessions and they were happy to just sit down. And Moses said, no, 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 no. You're not going to just sit down here when other people don't have their possession. Good that you got your possession. They need a possession too. Get out there and fight. Get out there and strive. Help them to get a land just like you got a land. To get a place just like you got a place. Why was it so critical that they fight? Well, three things will be done. Number one, they weren't done. They weren't done. Verse number six of our text, Numbers chapter 32. Look at verse number six. <clears throat> and Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, <clears throat> shall your brethren go to war and shall ye sit here? 
There's a job to do, folks. There's a prize to win. Others who sit in darkness, they sit in chains, they don't know how to be free, and they need to hear the gospel. Uh, Hey, listen, it's the greatest thing. The angel that said, uh, good tidings of great joy shall be to all people because unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Hey, we've got a Savior. We've got someone that has taken our sin, someone that has dealt with death. And because of him, we can live. What great news, but if it's not great news if they don't hear it. See, they were done. They got their possession that they were not done. You and I are not done. We have neighbors who need Christ. We have loved ones that they don't know. Nobody's ever made it clear. Oh, maybe they have religion, but they don't know salvation by grace. They don't know what the Bible says about how they can, what they can do with their sin. Because their, their sin will find them out. We have the solution, folks. They were not done. There's a job to do, a prize to win. We are commanded to bear fruit, <clears throat> fruit of others coming to Christ. I know that fruit in the Bible, it can certainly uh, mean uh, godly characteristics and attributes in our life when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and all that kind of thing. But it also suggests souls coming to salvation. As in many passages, when the Bible talks about bearing fruit, Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. I know that could mean win souls to your perspective or your ideas or wisdom. Yes, but it also, listen, it also uh, uh, means that, that you, you can win a person to Christ. Win somebody to the Lord. I missed the testimony last Saturday with the, the men, and, and, but I heard about it about some of you that actually gave your, your salvation testimony. Isn't it a wonderful thing? Listen, we could go through this, this auditorium, I mean from one end to the other, and have men, have women to say, this is what happened to me, how I came to Christ. And, and, and I was one. Somebody gave me a track, or somebody spoke to me. Maybe somebody dealt with me <clears throat> years and years ago, but I just was never to, to, to forget about that, never to, 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 to drop that. Until, and God was working on my heart, and, and then I finally got saved. And it, was, it was fruit, fruit on their account. I know Brother John, <laughs> Brother John Tawadidi, he talks about how that, you know, he, was, uh, he, he heard uh, someone that came to his door. He was living in Texas, right, or was that Oklahoma? He was in Texas. And uh, someone came to his door and offered him the gospel. It's the first time that he ever heard that. And it kind of struck true, and he, he thought, I need that. And it just, it just worked on him and it worked on him. And it was the Spirit of God that was bringing him until finally he comes to be said, Folks, we can, we can go through every person here and, and talk about the fruit that, that God has had through someone else uh, witnessing and someone else uh, bearing the truth to you. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse number 13. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, Paul says, that I might have some fruit... Among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Now, Paul was talking about fruit, people getting saved, others coming to Christ, fruit among the Gentiles. <clears throat> Colossians 1, 5, For the hope that, which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the, gospel, uh, of the truth of the gospel, which is coming to you as it, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it does also in you. Hey, the gospel brings forth fruit. Is that seed that, that, that goes into the, the different uh, uh, ground, the, the, the good ground and the, the uh, barren ground, the, the 
what is, what is that? The, the stony ground and the weedy ground. <laughs> weedy ground, what is that? Is that? Help me with that, the weed ground. The thorny ground, yeah, thorny ground. <laughs> I have my own version here after a while. <clears throat> Jesus used the fruit analogy in John chapter 4, verse 35, when, when he was dealing with the woman at the well and these men coming to Christ that she brought, and he says this to his disciples, because they were just worried about whatever, ministry and food and going from day to day. And, and he said, guys, guys, pay attention. I want you to be concerned about the harvest that is out there. And he's talking about the men coming to Christ. Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. You're all farmers. You know how that works. You plant, and then there's a crop, and then, the, and then there's, there's wheat or corn or whatever. You could actually see the fruit on that, on that harvest there. He says, that's how you plant. That's how you, you, you work the, the, the land. He says, <clears throat> you, you, you plant, and then there's some months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already in the harvest. He says, hey! Pay attention. There's men all over the place. That's the harvest. That's the fruit that you need to get in. That's what's important. Not anything else that you're so concerned about. Pay attention to the harvest. There was a great harvest in Samaria that day from the woman at the well. So first of all, why is it so critical that we get in the battle and help others? Why is it so critical that we, we join that battle? Because they weren't done. Why is it so critical for us to be soul winners? Share our faith? Because well, we're not done. We didn't get saved just to sit. We didn't get saved and that's it. Okay, you know, if that's it, then God should just knock us on the head, bring us to heaven when we get saved. No, no, there's a job for you to do. There's a job for me to do. We're not done yet. You're not done. There's others that don't have what you have. And it's, it's our responsibility to get in there. Number two, why is it so critical that they fight? Because their dereliction would destroy the rest. If they did not do what they were supposed to do, everybody else would have, been, would have perished. They would have, they would have discouraged the others. It would be just like 40 years prior to that time. And then they say, well, no, you guys go ahead and do that. And then they would have been discouraged. And they would have you know, got a bad attitude. And they wouldn't have gone into, they'll never get into the promised land. They'll never get their possession. Their dereliction would destroy the rest. He says in verse 15 of our text, in Numbers chapter 32, verse 15, he says, For if ye turn away from after him, he will again leave them in the wilderness, and ye shall destroy all this people. It would, listen, it was upon them. They, they were responsible. There's no other way for the lost to be saved. It's given unto men to tell others. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you glad? That's the truth of the scripture. But then he goes on to say, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how they, shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except to be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Hey, we've got to go. We've got to open our mouth. We have got to bring the gospel to others. And it's not just the preacher's job. It's everybody's job. Everybody's job. I don't know your cousin. I don't work with your co-worker. I'm not in school where you are and there's other students that sit next to you that need the gospel. But you are. That's, God's put you there. 
How are they going to ever get saved unless they hear it? See, Jesus did this wonderful, miraculous job of redemption, of purchasing our salvation on the cross. He, and it's finished. It's done. He said it is finished. It's all there. It's paid in full. Now they got to hear about it. But they would, listen, the others were dependent upon them. Why was it so critical that they fight? <clears throat> because negligence is sin. And that's what we have in that last verse of our text. Be sure your sin will find out. This negligence <clears throat> is called a sin. It's a sin not to be a witness to others in darkness. The Old Testament watchman, who doesn't sound the alarm, has blood on his hands. Do you remember that story? I think it's in Ezekiel where God said, Okay, uh, 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 servant of mine, believer... I've placed you as a watchman. You know what a watchman was? Somebody that stand, stood in a tower or sat there, and he was to watch for any danger. And if he sees danger coming, he's to blow the horn, warn everybody so that they could, uh, they could uh, uh, protect themselves. If he did not blow the horn to say, there's judgment coming, <clears throat> then whoever died, God said, their blood will be on your hands. Why? Because you are the one. You were set up as the watchman. Say, preacher, you know what? I, I don't like this. I, I don't like this kind of preaching. Uh, excuse me? This is what God said. And this is how God said it. You are the watchman. I am the watchman. Those around me that maybe they don't see the danger. I see the word of God. I believe God. And I see the, the, the judgment coming. It's my job to warn them. And by the way, God said, now if they hear you or they don't hear you, it doesn't matter. As long as you blow the trumpet, as long as you do your job as a watchman, whether they protect themselves or whether they get killed, it doesn't matter. Their blood's not on your hands. But if you don't be the watchman that you're supposed to be, their blood is on your hands. You're responsible. I am, respo I am responsible for this generation. You are responsible for the generation around you of those who don't have a possession. Yes, you have yours. Thank God. Don't, it's not time just to sit down. It's time to be a witness. It's time to, to, to uh, uh, fulfill your, your position as watchman. <clears throat> Paul didn't have that problem about having blood on his hands because he witnessed to others around him. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 26. He says, Wherefore I take you to record this day, I am pure from the blood of all men. Why? For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. What I did was I preached it. I sh showed you. I taught the word of God. I made it known to others. And so I don't have anybody's blood on my hands. They're clean because I did what I was supposed to do. Do you have blood on your hands? Harsh question. Pastor, I just don't like to you know, have controversy with my loved ones because they, oh, okay, just let them die and go to hell. And so they don't know. Now, I'm not saying you, you have to get them saved because maybe they won't uh, accept, but I am saying you have to let them know. You have to, that's your job to make it known. Uh, well, you know what? They might cut me off. They might be mean to me. Okay. But you know what? They might get saved. How about that? 
They might, they might be eternally grateful for you to, to chance losing that relationship for trying to reach my lost soul. You're, you're responsible. Believers, you're responsible. I'm responsible. Negligence here is sin. If there's one thing that we know about the disposition of God, he is concerned about the harvest. He wants his atonement to be applied to as many as possible. In the verse that we quoted when Jesus rebuked his disciples for not being soul conscious, he said this, Say ye not, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. He's talking about harvest there. He says, Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes right here, right now, not sometime later, not sometime that you're not supposed to get involved or engaged in. No, right now, today. Now, he was talking about those men that were coming to Christ, those men that were around him everywhere. There's a harvest, and he says, lift up your eyes and look. Look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest now, and folks, I'm saying that this was stated with some sense of urgency by the Lord. That harvest of souls has already passed away. No telling how many souls that Jesus loved, that he cared for, that he cried for, that he died for, lost their lives in darkness without hope. And he looked at them with compassion. He says, this is my harvest. They need to be reached. Lift up your eyes. Come on, folks. Focus where you should, not, not what's concerning right now, what you have. So many things take our attention. And what is important to God, he says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. That's what he says to us today, here, right now. What about our generation? What about the men and women that you work with or go to school with? Or your relatives, your loved ones, your friends, your acquaintances, your fellow Washingtonians who will live their lives and spend their years and raise families and and see the sun and breathe this air and live on this planet and then die without Christ. Do you care about that? Do you care about them? Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They're white out, ready to harvest. Believer, if we don't get in the battle to win that inheritance for the others, for the lost around us, and we face the same moral condemnation that Reuben and Gad, the, uh, those tribes did in our text in Numbers chapter 32, verse number 23. As it ends up, he says, but if you will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord. And be sure, be sure that your sin will find you out. Now that is applied to his people. Why is it? so critical that we fight? Well, because number one, we're not done. Number two, we're responsible for them. And number three, negligence is a sin. So what do we do? Commit yourself to being that witness today. Commit yourself to being a soul winner today. Pastor, I'm really afraid about, well, that's okay. Serve God in fear, but just serve God. Just obey. Pastor, I don't know how this is going to end up. Just obey him. Commit yourself to, to winning souls. As for believers, for unbelievers, if you've never been born again, deal with your sin today and come to Jesus and be saved. Get the pardon that's available, that's on the table for you.
Every head bowed, nobody looking for just a moment. As we prepare for what we call the invitation, I'm just inviting you to respond to God's word, to his truth, to his, his uh, uh, encouragement, to God's encouragement to, for us to look up, lift up our eyes, look on the fields, to be that witness that we should be. Hey, it's not time to sit down. You, you, you have your salvation, wonderful. You're secure in Christ, wonderful. Hey, there's a whole lot of people around that don't have that yet. They need it. What about presenting yourself to be used of God? Say, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I want to be that witness. I, I want to do everything I can to be obedient. I, I, I want to help others to find the blessing in Christ that I have to be looking forward to that eternity where we will never grow old and, and the, the blessing of being right with you and having a relationship, a walk with God, and there's others that don't have that. God, help me be the witness. Help me do all that I can to get in the fight, to, be a, to, to open my mouth, to be a witness, to be a soul winner. Others don't have what I have. How about it, God? Help me to do that. There's some that need to commit this morning to doing that to be in that for Christ. Friend, if you're here without Christ, I'm going to ask you, be saved. Why would you go on in spite of the, the, the encouragement, the wooing of the Holy Spirit to, to, to bring you eternal life and, and say no to that? Why would you say no to that? Don't say no. If the Spirit of God is working on your heart and saying, listen, what that preacher is saying is right. You do have sin, and you do need to do something with that. And unless you get saved, you're in big trouble. That's the Spirit of God that's called conviction. And he's speaking right now for you today. Why would you ignore that? Why don't you say yes to him? What I'm going to ask you to do is just come on to the front when we stand in just a moment. We'll have counselors at the front. We'll take an open Bible, and there's a room back here we could take in and spend some time and show you simply what the Bible says about you receiving Christ, how that you can get born again here this morning, how that you can be introduced to the wonderful, loving Savior that has died for your sins. Please, let me encourage you to do that. Every one of us who are saved, we come the same route. How about you? Believer, this message is directed, I believe, to each one of our hearts. Let's respond as God speaks to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would take your word.